Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. I know that many of you have been waiting for this one, an episode featuring the witch mother herself, Hecate. She is beloved and revered by so many witches, more every day. She does so much for the empowerment and liberation of the marginalized that it feels really important to get this right. With that in mind, this will be part one of a series of non-consecutive episodes on Hecate. Obviously, a single episode just won't do her justice. We'll have to see how many we need to devote to her magic. In part one of this series, we will look at Hecate's history, give an overview of her most well-known themes, and take a peek at her involvement in modern witchcraft. She's considered one of the most formidable of the Greek goddesses, but research suggests that Hecate actually originates even earlier in Thrace, which was located where modern-day Turkey, Bulgaria, and Greece converge. It's believed that from there her worship grew and traveled to ancient Greece. Her earliest historical references, between 700 and 300 BCE, describe a young, fair-haired woman bearing twin torches. Early images of Hecate show her in a singular form. However, we begin to see depictions of her well-known triple form on sculptures from 5th century BCE. Whether it's three faces or three distinct bodies, Hecate Triformis is a guardian goddess who sees in all directions, who represents multiple aspects at any given moment. It is a widely accepted theory that she was an ancient, foreign goddess who became incorporated into the Greek pantheon. This existence that predates the Titans could explain why she's seemingly set apart and revered amongst other Greek deities. Hesiod's Theogony says that Zeus honored her by giving her splendid gifts, including shares of the earth and sea and honor in starry heaven. There are multiple spellings, some with a C or a K, and pronunciations, Hecate or Hecate, are commonly used in her modern-day devotion. In ancient times, her name and pronunciation were likely much different. It's common for the names of ancient deities to evolve throughout history, and I've seen zero indication that she worries about our pronunciation. As you become aware of her, you may notice that the ever-increasing numbers of witches who feel called by her. She's currently experiencing dynamic growth and recognition among witchcraft and goddess devotion communities. Honestly, I've never seen a goddess claim and call more witches. I get this excited feeling of anticipation when I think about, like, what does she see coming? What exactly is she planning? But back to her very long history. She was a highly revered goddess for many centuries, throughout many communities. As early as 1st century CE, she began to take on her darker, although not entirely negative, aspects, and her connection to witchcraft and magic. Today, she may be best known for her role as Queen of the Witches, and she certainly embraces us as her own. Through the rise of Christianity, she was increasingly reviled and demonized there were fewer and fewer mentions of her identities as Sovereign Queen, Goddess of the Moon, 
heavens, protectress, and even the cosmic world soul. And you may have noticed that authors of small, surface-level blurbs on Hecate continue to limit her to the crone aspect, or go even a little bit further to portray a grotesque or frightening hag. It makes sense if you're just copy and pasting together an article on a goddess with whom you've never interacted, how would you know different? And while she may sometimes choose to present herself in these forms, and there are certainly profound lessons to be learned from the crone and the hag, these are definitely not her only modes. Most of the devotees that I know who have personal experience with her do not solely experience her as the crone, and many have never interacted with her in that form. When she does reveal her likeness to me, she's usually an attractive middle-aged woman with dark hair, her face partially obscured by a black veil. Now, the very first time that she spoke to me, she was a pale woman of undetermined age, but the most striking feature that she presented that particular night was black cat-eye glasses. She felt like a take-no-shit, smart-as-hell librarian. Describing Hecate as a hag has certainly worked to frighten and intimidate many, and it shows how deeply her feminine power and influence were feared. Is it just me, or have you noticed the most demonization of fierce powerhouse goddesses? It's almost like the more independently powerful and undomesticated they are, the less beholden to men that they are in their myths, the sooner they become depicted as ugly, frightening, or evil. Hey, patriarchy, way to project that fear of a strong, sovereign woman. But maybe it's a happy accident. Because Hecate's multiple seemingly contradictory aspects or appearances double her power, double her reach, at the very least. Every supposed insult or misrepresentation that has been thrown at her throughout the many centuries, like eater of filth, deathbringer, devourer of the dead, she is worn proudly, transforming them into her superpowers and increasing her horde of devoted followers. While she seems to embrace the costume of Hag for some of her themes and lessons, we should not forget that she's also a great mother goddess. She's considered the mother of witches, but beyond that has been called the mother of all and the mother of the gods. Indeed, she has a very maternal side. But I would describe her as a firm mother, one with strong boundaries and expectations, and of course, great love. She is a goddess of between, of liminal spaces and times. She guided Persephone back and forth from middle world to underworld, helped her with the changing of seasons, assisted her in transitions. Look for Hecate, or leave offerings, of course at crossroads, but also in doorways, riverbanks, dusk, and in your personal seasons of transition. Hecate can handle the heavier lessons and chapters of life. She's known to roam the roads at night, especially during the dark moon. She is adept at navigating even the darkest places and moments. She is the torchbearer, lighting your way through all frightening journeys, around dark corners that result in great transformation. She is not, as I used to fear, the cause of hard times and loss. She is the one who sees your path, sees the obstacles around the bend, and is there at your side, torches held high, 
just in time to guide you through the difficulties. This is why she is closely associated with our dark night of the soul, our most harrowing experiences. Because if you are hers, she will accompany you through that time. She makes it her business to be there, lighting the way. Seriously, as I go through the real shit, she literally shows me lights in the dark, lamps lighting up in meditations, actual glowing lights in weird places of my home as I stumble to the bathroom in the middle of the night. She takes me to her cave and shows me what needs healing. There's something incredibly comforting about a deity saying, very clearly, I'm tripling my presence because I know you're suffering. It's so hard to be scared of a goddess who shows up and says, I am going to guide you through this. As modern devotees, we can find deep lessons in magic in all of her aspects, and this goddess herself is willing to appear in whatever form serves her intent. Hecate is considered a psychopomp, one who guides souls to the underworld. As such, she's a formidable ally for shadow work and inner transformation. Spirits, ghosts, and matters of death and regeneration are strongly associated with her. She encourages her witches to confront their fears, their shadows, to do the difficult work of healing the self in order to step into personal wholeness and power. It's often said, in ominous tones, that to join Hecate requires, quote, great sacrifice. I agree, but it may not be the sacrifice you're envisioning. She regularly asks us to sacrifice our attachment to false stories, to shed our blinders. She asks for courageous self-confrontation. And she may ask us to release toxic situations. But it is through these sacrifices that you can fully embody your deepest power and greatest magic. Many witches have felt the call of the Queen of the Night in recent years. They recall magical encounters with black dogs, meeting her in a dream, or unexpectedly finding antique keys. There are many ways in which Hecate may initiate a relationship. If you feel called to connect with Hecate, consider beginning with a sincere prayer and an offering on a night of the dark moon, which is the astrological new moon. The phase when the moon is not visible is her most sacred time of the lunation, and it has long been said that she prefers her offerings to be made at night. Now the following are some suggested tried and true offerings. Garlic, eggs, honey, cakes, bread, red wine, dark chocolate, black coffee, salt, mugwort, rosemary, and lavender. Her presence is usually strongest outdoors after dark, especially at a three-way crossroads or in a graveyard. She's also traditionally celebrated on November 16th and 30th. If you want to take a new relationship with her a step further and create an indoor dedicated shrine, Keep in mind that her most sacred colors are black, white, and red. You might include candles, which represent torches, in any of these colors. An offering plate, include the number three, leave keys, mugwort, lavender, rosemary, images of black dogs, wheels, or owls, or any of her other sacred animals. As always, allow your intuition to guide you. 
exploring her roles and titles can be overwhelming. According to Dr. Cindy Brannon, author of Keeping Her Keys, there are other, over 200 epithets attributed to Hecate. These include mother of all, queen, mistress of corpses, keeper of keys, torchbearer, all-nurturing, all-powerful, and my favorite, holy moonlight. These are just a few. Ancient writers left us contradictory reports on her nature and roles. The fact is that her depictions and descriptions in history are as varied and complicated as the personal gnosis of her modern followers. This might be frustrating for researchers, but the more I think about it, the more reassuring it is. Goddesses show the face their followers need, Hecate more than most. Her contradictory history doesn't deny any of her aspects. In fact, she has left us evidence that all of her aspects are valid and true. She's all of these things and more. Sources for this episode are Goddesses and Heroines by Patricia Monahan and Hecate and Her Witchcraft by Cindy Brannon. How does she show up for you? How do you experience her? How are you called to her? You can leave voice messages with your experiences of the goddesses I have covered or general questions and comments about the intersection of goddess work and witchcraft. It's easy to record a voice message for me by going to the Witch and Goddess page on anchor.fm. You'll see a little plus sign icon with the word message. Let me know at the beginning if you'd like me to include the message in an episode. Then just click that baby and talk to me. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and share this podcast with fellow magical people. You can directly support this show by visiting the Witch and Goddess page at anchor.fm and clicking that support button. Follow the show on Instagram at Witch and Goddess Pod, or find my program's classes and groups at blackbirdmagic.com, on Facebook at blackbirdmagic, or email me at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com.